that Mitchell and Webb sound, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb with Olivia Coleman and James Bartman. Ready to order, sir? Uh, nearly. What's the soup of the day? Sunday. Right, but today's Thursday. Yes, and the soup of the day is Sunday. Are you saying it's Sunday-flavoured soup? How, how does that work? At first, it's the taste of excitement and freedom, but it quickly slides into mild melancholy and tension about the work week ahead. <laughs> All scattered with antiques roadshow croutons. Interesting. <laughs> do you do other day flavours? We do Wednesday soup. That's quite bland, neither here nor there. Friday soup tastes of imminent leisure time, and at the bottom there's a rich layer of alcohol. Though some customers do complain of a sicky aftertaste. Do you do Saturday soup? Sold out. It's our most popular flavour. Made of lie-in, fry-up, long lunch with friends, and a whole dollop of Strictly Come Dancing. Mm, Shane, that does sound nice. What's the pie of the month? August. Let me guess. It's quite hot? It's meant to be. But more often it's not as hot as you think, and the pastry's much soggier than you'd like. What about the other months? January is full of hope, but slides rapidly into broken promises and flu. February is just horrible. Really, really horrible. Uh, March is optimistic with the tang of newly mown grass. April is basically made of Easter eggs. May and June taste very similar, both frisky and fresh. July tastes of sun cream. We've done August. September's deliciously warm and nostalgic with just a hint of school days past. October's mostly pumpkin-flavoured. And November is sort of cold and nothingy, but with the risk of getting a firework in the face. <laughs> then, of course, December is very popular. It starts with the excitement of Christmas ahead, goes through the fun of office parties and time off work, and there's a present at the bottom of every pie. That does sound good. It's not actually. A lot of people choke on the present. Oh. Anyway, I've decided I'll have the Sunday soup followed by the August pie, please. An excellent choice. I'm looking forward to it, particularly since I see you were voted Restaurant of the Year. Yes. Sadly, that year was 1940, so uh, we've just started rationing. And you may find the odd bomb in your meal. Diane! Diane! Nominated for five Academy Awards. Where is she? Winner of two Golden Globes. She said she was staying to look after the newborns. Diane! The true story of a woman who risked it all for the animals she loved. Sweet Mary, look at this place. It's been torn apart. <gasps> Blood! Oh God, Diane! What happened here? Godzilla's in the mist. <laughs> down, Mugu, down! Because sometimes a true story needs more dinosaurs. Hello? Is that Mr. Miracle Doctor? Dr. Miracle Doctor, yes. Oh, I do apologise. Actually, come to think of it, I'm a surgeon, so... Well, it is Mr. Miracle Doctor, but still. Oh, right. But then, come to think of it some more, I've received several honorary doctorates for my work, so... I see. I mean, you get the point. Um, well, I'm calling from a charity which helps people who... I'm sorry? Uh, yes. I was wondering if I could tell you about our work, and then maybe you consider... Have you the faintest idea who you're talking to? Well, I'd say I did, yes. Uh, I know your surname and telephone number, although there seems to be some confusion about your title. I didn't accept a title. What? They offered me the lot. Sir, Lord, even Earl, but I turned them all down. That wasn't part of the deal. What deal? Now listen to me, young man. Oh, thank you. What? I'm actually 64, but I regularly gargle. <laughs> listen to me. I am the man who discovered a cure for cancer. Oh, I heard about that. I'm not surprised. Oh, God, is that you? Yes. Oh, well done on that. I require no congratulations. No, but we're all incredibly grateful. I require no thanks. Oh, right. Well, anyway, as I was saying... 
Would you consider making a monthly All donation? All I asked for when I cured cancer... I mean, really, well done. All I asked was for it to be officially and globally recognised that I had done my bit. No honours, no money, no hospital wings named after me, just that. My contribution was done. Tick. Over. Well, I'm sure everyone agrees with that. You'd think so, wouldn't you? When I'd cured cancer. You'd think that would have made the world back off and stop nagging me about recycling or lifeboats or the blind. You'd think, you'd think that might have staunched the endless stream of requests to think of the homeless this Christmas. You'd think that I, of all people, had earned the right to reply, I don't need to think of the homeless, I cured cancer. <laughs> Let those who haven't put an end to a global pestilence think of the homeless and give them soup or crack or homes or whatever the hell it is they want. Okay. You think people might say, maybe the rest of us can handle the homeless or the donkeys or the elderly and we won't continue to guilt trip the guy who, lest we forget, cured cancer. And it was a proper cure too, not just a sodding therapy or research breakthrough. It was a short course of tablets. You don't even have to stop drinking while you take them, though nurses... <laughs> though nurses claim you do. Well... I'm sure people must think that you're such a great, humanitarian, nice man that you'd really... I didn't do it to be nice. I did it to be off the hook for all of humanity's other <laughs> woes and screw-ups. I did it so that I could spend the rest of my life in peaceful, untroubled and totally justified complacency. That's all I asked, and at the time, I was given the impression that that would be no problem at all. Cheap at the price. Change your surname to Miracle Doctor and everyone will back off. That's what they said, and now this. Right, well, it's just that I work for a heart disease charity, and there's been a really huge leap in deaths caused by heart disease in the last... Well, why do you think that is? Well, because of diets and... It's because no one's dying of cancer anymore. <laughs> oh. Well, for just three pounds a month... What? You... For three pounds a month, what? I can qualify to join the group that gets asked for four pounds a month in a month's time. <laughs> this is the vicious circle I cured cancer to get out of. I suppose you're expecting me to cure heart disease as well. As someone who works for a heart disease charity, that is the very last thing I want you to do. <laughs> Seriously, there is a recession on. I need this job. It would be much more of a contribution if you just raised awareness. Rather than curing it? Yeah. Or have you considered having a heart attack yourself? Um, I think if the guy who cured cancer died of heart disease, that would raise a hell of a lot of awareness. It would be almost as effective as a tweet from Stephen Fry. Three pounds, you say? Yep. I'll just get my credit card. <laughs> and welcome to Whose Pet Is This? Tonight's contestant is Claire from Guildford. She's a 29-year-old working mum and she's still got a great body. Got any pets yourself, Claire? No. Great. You know the rules, Claire. We're going to bring out a mystery pet and you have two yes or no answer questions to help you guess whose pet this is. If you guess correctly, you'll win a whole year's free electricity. Do you like electricity, Claire? I think so. <laughs> of course you do. Who doesn't? I like you, Claire. Do you want to kiss me? Shall we kiss? Okay. Bring out the first mystery pet. Here he is, Claire. He's a two-year-old Jack Russell called Trumps, and here's a hint for you. He's been castrated. Okay, Claire, we don't want him to give you any clues with his eyes, so let's blindfold him and spin him round. <laughs> Right, your first question, please, Claire. And remember, I can only give yes or no answers. Um, is the pet's owner someone famous? Good question, Claire. 
No. Your second and final question, please, Claire. Is the pet's owner someone I know? Ooh, is it someone you know? Good. No. So, Claire, for a year's free electricity, whose pet is this? Uh, Come on, Claire. It's impossible. Take a guess, Claire. I'll never guess. I'm going to have to press you for an answer. Is it? Yes. Anthony Daniels? Is it Anthony Daniels? Is it Anthony Daniels? C-3PO from Star Wars? No, a different one. Is it him? God, I hope so. I hope you're right, Claire. You seem fun. You can kiss me if you want. I won't be offended. Okay, let's spin the dog down. Take off the blindfold. Wipe away that sick. And now, Trumps, will you please tell us whose pet you are? Oh, unlucky Claire. Really close and yet completely wrong. So unfortunately, that year's worth of free electricity will instead go to Trump's through his brain. <laughs> Look at him go. Join us again next week for another impossible edition of Whose Pet Is This? There's no way I could have guessed. Shut up and kiss me, Claire. It's your last chance. Thank you all for coming. Well, today we completed our exhaustive search thanks to a $4 trillion Kickstarter account set up as a joke by some American students. We have completely drained the lock, and I can now definitely tell you that, yes, there was a Loch Ness Monster, and as a result of the complete destruction of its natural habitat, it is now dead. How big was it? Uh, about the size of three Nissan Micras, uh, which we also found in the loch. Was it definitely a monster? Uh, yes, it was a one-off example of an otherwise unknown species similar to a plesiosaur. But please don't worry, just to reiterate, it was killed as a result of the searching process. Um, do you think the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster will ever be laid to rest? Uh, I can see you've arrived late. Uh, <laughs> uh, as I said, the mystery of the Loch Ness Monster has finally been laid to rest. Yes, there was one, a small one, and no, there isn't any more. And now, if you'll excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I need to start refilling the lock. Apparently it's going to take about 35,000 years. I used to, but after school I stopped taking lessons, and now I've forgotten it all. <laughs> me too! You know, I can't believe how much we've got in common. I know, it's both like kayaking, jazz, spy novels. <laughs> oh, here's one. By any chance, and I'm going out on a limb here, but by any chance, do you like sex? <gasps> I love sex! Oh my god, me too! Oh, yeah. It's so exhilarating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the other thing is, it really helps you forget about work stuff. Oh, that's very true. I mean, mm. some days the office is just manic, and at the end of it all, the only thing I want to do is get home and treat myself to a nice, decent bit of coitus. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> yeah, sometimes I don't even make it home. <laughs> You really are into it, aren't you? Oh, God, yeah. I'm an absolute sex nut. Well, I can see. <laughs> so, listen, I don't know if this is something you'd be interested in, and feel free to say no, honestly. I'm just putting it out there. But I was thinking, since I like sex, and you like sex, well, how about you and I get together sometime and have some sex? Uh do you know what? I'd really enjoy that, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, that is great. OK, well, I'll give you a call sometime and we'll have some sex. Sounds good. Great. I'm looking forward to it already. <laughs> Tell you what, why don't we get some dessert? Oh. What is it? Well, it's just that... And before I say anything, I just want you to know that I, I've had a really great dinner tonight. OK, I get it. No, you, you don't have to explain. No, 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 it's, it's not that really. It's just that um, I just got out of a really long lunch. <laughs> um... Quite recently, actually, and, and I just think dessert would be a bit too soon for no, me. No, that's fine. I, uh, I understand. We'll just, um, 
we'll, we'll stay with the main course. That's fine. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to lead you on. No, no, no. Honestly, don't worry about it. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just forget I said anything, please. Okay then. Still, I can't wait for that sex we've got planned. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> so, Obadiah, the prototype of our invention is almost complete. The horseless staircase. Why do you keep calling it that, Jeremiah? All staircases are horseless. <laughs> you should come to my house. This is your house. <laughs> so, let's give the prototype a test run. I'll just turn it on. One simply steps onto the mechanical stairs, grips the mechanical handrail, and one is carried safely and easily to the next floor. Here we go! Bravo! Oh, my hand, Obadiah! What? Look, my hand! Is it caught in the mechanism, brother? No, it's getting ahead of me! What? <laughs> the rest of me can't keep up! Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off! How am I going to get down? I haven't got a horse. You'll have to walk down it normally. This feels weird. So, what was the problem, brother? I don't understand. We've spent years on the calculations. The whole of the Escalator family estate on the manufacture of this precisely engineered mechanism. Everything should be perfect, but for some reason, when I try to go up, the handrail is moving faster than the stairs. But how can that be? You, Jeremiah, took charge of the stairs, and I headed up the team working on the handrail. But we were perfectly agreed. The correct speed of ascent is 19 inches per second. Centimetres! Inches per centimetre? That doesn't make sense. No, no, no! Centimetres per second, Obadiah! We're not living in the Dark Ages! I think I might know what the problem is. This is a disaster. We've got to present the prototype to our potential investors tomorrow. You don't need to tell me all this. You know me. I always recap when I'm agitated. It's realistic. Look, don't worry. The basic mechanism is sound. We've proved it works in principle. We can present it to the investors in its current form. There'll be plenty of time to iron out these little problems afterwards. Yes, it's not as if in a hundred years' time people will still be using escalators where the handrail weirdly moves at a different different speed to the stairs. <laughs> One more to record, uh, last of the day, so this will be the uh, East Anglia Rail uh, Route 17. Suffolk, eh? Yep, Suffolk, any time when you're ready. Yes, it's just, I, I've been to most of, well, all these places. <laughs> Cycling holiday, years ago. Colleague from work, hardly knew her at first. It was all a bit of a laugh, the odd drink, <laughs> the odd cuddle. <laughs> Then gradually a bit more. Then a, a lot. Lot. Lot more. <laughs> then she suddenly said she was engaged. <laughs> nice chap. I, I met him. Went to the wedding. Long time ago. Long, long time ago. Yes, right. Um, whenever you're ready. The train now arriving at platform three is the 1430, calling it Woodbridge, <laughs> Melton, Wickham Market, Saxmundham, Darsham, Halesworth, Brampton, Alton Broad South, and Lowestoft. Your Eminence. 
What are you doing here, Sebastian? You're supposed to be on Mount Sinai overseeing the dig. They found something. Excellent. This is exactly what we need to reinvigorate the Catholic Church. More commandments. Yes, Your Eminence. Oh, this is marvellous. One of the things we're brilliant at is telling people what not to do. But it's a fast-moving world. People have short attention spans. We can't keep telling people not to do the same things. We need to mix it up, reboot the format, introduce a bonus ball or Roger Moore. Yes, Your Eminence, but to be fair, we're always mixing it up. The Holy Father speaks often on contemporary subjects that... Oh, yes, but it just looks like spite. Oh, you can't use condoms, you mustn't masturbate. We just seem like killjoys. I suppose you're right. People think, oh, just because they're not getting any. Not getting any? Don't they read the papers? Come back to bed, Your Eminence. In a minute, Roxy. (laughs) What I need is more tablets. I know, she's insatiable. No. (laughs) No, more commandment tablets from Mount Sinai. More direct prohibitions written by God using lightning. Then we don't get the blame, but we do get to be the enforcers. So, have the archaeologists found something? Well, they have, Your Eminence. Is it any of the ones we were hoping for? Thou shalt not eat food beginning with vowels. (laughs) Sneezes that are enjoyable are a sin. Thou shalt not skip the boring bits of books. Thou shalt not read on the loo. Thou shalt not pop bubble wrap. Thou shalt not feed the ducks. Thou shalt not scratch your back with a hairbrush. Thou shalt not like thy shoes. Thou shalt not do this. Stop it, Sebastian! But I can. It's none of those. I'm afraid they only found one more commandment. Still, better than nothing. Was it a good one? Was it, thou shalt not sigh whilst weeing? No, it wasn't really a good one at all. It's rather disconcerting. What do you mean? Well, they found a fragment from the bottom of the second of the two tablets, which held the original ten, and scholars have been working tirelessly on an accurate translation of the ancient Hebrew, and they think they've got it. Well, what is it then? It's... Pick any three of the above. Joining us on Newsnight to discuss the new welfare bill is media commentator and Twitter provocateurs, Sadie Pipkins. Good evening. Well, I'd say good evening to the people on welfare, but I suspect they're asleep or drunk or on drugs. Waiting, <laughs> waiting for the rest of us to earn their fag money. Oh, dear. You're watching This Breakfast, and Sadie Pipkins is here to explain why she thinks pregnant women should pay more for parking. Oh, crap, did I? Well, Mr Humphreys, as an elderly person yourself, I'd hardly expect you to agree with this idea, but normal working families just think it's British common sense. You do all smell, so you should be rounded up. Oh, no, I hope my mum didn't hear that. Fat. Fat and disgusting. I didn't make them fat, you didn't make them fat, they made themselves fat, and now they want free drugs. (laughs) Darling, can you come here a moment? I I think I've got a bit of a problem with my showreel. What are you talking about, darling? It's sensational. Well, I'm just worried I don't come across as very nice. Now, we've discussed this, haven't we, my sweet? You're not meant to come across as nice. You're all posh and unlikable, and you've got a bent face. They're never going to book you to come on and say reasonable things. They've got Fern Britain for that. It's too competitive a market. Look... When you went to St Andrews, what did you apply to read? Business German. Yes. And did you want to read business German? No, I wanted to read English and have friends. Exactly. But all the slightly more intelligent, slightly prettier ex-public schoolgirls applied to read English, so you knew you had to do business German or you wouldn't get in. Yes. Well, it's the same with the media. It's only because you're willing to say such terrible things that you get to be there at all. Everyone needs to find out what they're good at, and for you, it's looking pleased with yourself and being vicious. You're right. But I'm just worried that the viewers will think those are my real opinions. Mm, They're not far off, are they? No. I I just get carried away when the researchers ring up and they ask me a question and I say, ooh, it's complicated, and they sound disappointed. So I say, 
No, it's simple. And they say, I'm pleased. And then they send a card to pick me up, and the next thing I know, I'm screeching at Holly Willoughby again. Darling, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good living. If only you weren't so squeamish about Holocaust denial, we'd be living in a house in the country by now. Slugfather, Slugfather. What is it, tiny sluglings? Tell us a tale of terror now the nights are drawing in, Slugfather, please. Yes, something to make our skin crawl. But that's redundant. You are slugs. Oh, please! Oh, very well. Now, what terrifying tale shall I tell? The slug in the corridor! Yes, Yes, the the slug slug in the the corridor! No, that is far too frightening for young minds like yours. Oh, please! Oh, ho, ho. Gather round then. But you have been warned. Now, one day, Curtis the Slug was going down a corridor without a care in the world, when all at once, what should he see slowly approaching from the other end? But another slug. Look away, Curtis! And a slug that he knew. Don't make eye contact! Too late! Their eyes met. No! Three hours it would take before these friends could hold a conversation. So slowly did they move towards each other. Yet each now knew the other was there, and each knew the other knew. They've acknowledged each other too early. Oh, far too early, young Slugger. But what could they do? Slowly they approached each other, knowing they must brazen it out for three slow hours. Look away, Curtis screamed to the other slug inwardly. Pretend this never happened. But it was no use. Still they moved. He, he should, Curtis should, he, he, he should turn off somewhere, Slugfather, shouldn't he? Yeah! yeah. Curtis tried to turn off, but he was in a corridor. <laughs> he tried pretending he was looking at something else, but he was in a corridor. He tried giving a self-deprecating wave, but slugs have no hands. He tried to shrug. But slugs can't shrug. Still, they moved closer, the social awkwardness of it stinging like salt. Perhaps, Curtis thought, if I speed up fast enough, I'll rub myself out and it will all be over. But no. Oh, oh, very well. And there a hedgehog at him. And put him out of his misery. Off you go now. Run along to bed. Night, 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 Slugfather. Good night. Good night. Night, night, night. Night, Slugfather. Good night now. Is, Is that... No... Thought I saw a hedgehog. <laughs> Never mind.
So, that's the end of the tour, and I just hope I've given you some idea of what goes into making just one episode of one of the BBC's flagship programmes. Wow. Yes, it's quite impressive, isn't it? I mean, I had no idea. I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who, but I didn't realise all the work it took. Well, yep, it, it doesn't happen by accident. I mean, all the writers and the rewriting process and all the detail and skill that goes into making the props, the prosthetics, the building of massive sets, the hiring of expensive locations, all those actors, but even more crew, cameramen and sound recordists and continuity and, and all of them working for weeks and weeks. And, and then there's all the computer animation and editing that carries on for weeks and weeks afterwards. I know, it's quite the undertaking. And that's just for one episode. As I say, I had no idea. I mean, it's not really worth it, is it? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry? It's, it's not worth all that work from all those people for, for what you get. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, it's an entertaining 45 minutes on a Saturday night, but compared to, say, a pizza... A, a pizza? Well, that takes one guy, quarter of an hour max. But I'd say a good pizza is at least as enjoyable as an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, come on. I, I think Doctor Who is more culturally important than pizza. Well, I mean, it isn't. It, in, in the sense I, that... I mean, it just isn't. Science fiction might be more culturally important than pizza, although it's not. But Doctor Who hasn't affected the world to nearly the same extent as pizzas have. I mean, what next? Strictly is more significant than curry. I, I think you're comparing apples and oranges here. No, that would be much more sensible. What, <laughs> what I'm doing is comparing TV programmes with foods. And, and I think you started it. But I didn't mean to be combative. I, I just don't think anyone has the slightest clue of the trouble you're going to here. And, and I think that if they did, they'd gladly tell you not to bother. But this is how all drama is made. It's the same way with Casualty, Holby, Call the Midwife. What? Uh, but they're not even any good. Uh, oh, come on. Ca Call the Midwife is pretty OK. So you admit that the other two aren't? I assumed shows like that took about ten minutes each. Otherwise, why on earth would you make them? I mean, they're all pretty much the same programme. Oh, you can hardly... Give me ten ways that Casualty and Holby City are different. Well, they're... In fact, just turn on that TV. It's no good. We'll have to operate or we'll lose him. Go on, which one was that? Uh, Casualty? Doctors. Well, what do you want us to do? Well, why don't you close down? I beg your pardon? Why don't you just stop? It's a hell of a lot of hassle. The right-wing media hate you. You've got enough episodes of Question of Sport to keep repeating until the crack of doom. Why not just knock it on the head? Hmm. So, as you can see, there's a lot of really positive feedback from the viewers. The message uh, is they've really enjoyed the programmes, but now they're all sort of, thanks for everything, bye. Right. In many ways, this whole show viewers how we do things initiative has somewhat blown up in our faces. <laughs> But they like the programme. Oh, yes, the message is very much no hard feelings. They think it's all been a great thing to have tried, just now's the time to stop. Fair enough, then. Let's wind everything down. All good things come to an end? Exactly. And so does Radio 1. But what about the people who don't want it wound down? Who will they blame? The BBC. Uh, but that'll be the last time the BBC will ever get blamed for anything. What a lovely thought. <laughs> Thank you.
That Mitchell and Webb Sound starred David Mitchell and Robert Webb, Olivia Coleman and James Barkman. It was written by David Mitchell, Robert Webb, James Barkman and Tom Meaton, Jonathan Dryden Taylor, Alan Stafford, Yanis Vasilakis, Simon Kane, Toby Davis, Mark Evans, Joel Morris and Jason Hazley. It was produced by Gareth Edwards.